right. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Texans Unfiltered, the Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. I am Young Ari Gold. And this morning I'm joined by Brandon Scott from 610, Brandon Scott from B Block Podcast, Brandon Scott from uh, what's the new Rockets podcast? H-Town Hoops. H-Town Hoops. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, t- we took the all-star break with everybody else, but we're going to be back at it this week. So, yeah, man, H-Town Hoops podcast with me and Adam Spillane. And then uh, fills, fills in all throughout, you know, at any time when 610 needs it. And, and the crazy thing is, I don't think you realize this, but when you fill in for, for other people, on the timeline, it's always like, when is Brandon Scott going to get his own show? When is Brandon Scott going to be a part of, of, of the schedule? Um, it, 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 like, always dominates the timeline whenever you're on. Is that even something you want to do? Or are you kind of, like, in this space where it's like, what I do works. It's like, if I need to fill in, I'll fill in. But what I do behind the scenes and everything else is is much better for me. Man, you know, it's funny you asked me that because I was literally just thinking about this yesterday. And for me, I I actually said this to myself, so I'm glad you asked me the question. I said that I want I want the money that the hosts make, but I want the job security that the digital people have. So for the folks that don't know, my actual I have an office job at 610. I'm actually over SportsRadio610.com and I'm sort of the digital coordinator for the Odyssey Houston cluster, but primarily Sports Radio 610. People don't realize there's a lot of job security in that job because you basically, I mean, not to disrespect anybody that's lost that job, but you basically got to be an idiot to lose that job. It's a pretty, <laughs> if you know what you're doing, it's a pretty easy job to keep. And that's not including like economic downturns, COVID layoffs, that type of thing. But just like on merit, that's the easiest job to keep. Whereas as a host, as a radio host, you can be good and still get fired you know like you're to me ratings radio ratings broadcast ratings are not always reflective of the quality of product that you're getting now 610 just happens to i think have a a quality product and win the ratings but to me you can lose the ratings and still be very very good for whatever reason not meshing with your partner uh with your co-host or not meshing with the audience, the target audience, or whatever they think the target target audience is. So you'll hear this, that the radio business, especially for jocks, for, for personalities, can be super volatile. Um, and, and I don't really want any parts of that. But I would like to make the money that they make, um, but but to have the job security that I have right now. So it's kind of, it's kind of a, I wouldn't say a catch-22. It's kind of a good problem to have. But I'm, I'm obviously open to it. We'll see what happens. Uh, throughout the future i'm perfectly happy and fine doing what i'm doing now no complaints so um you know it this gives me the flexibility to be able to do stuff like this with you the fact that i'm in charge of my own schedule so i certainly like that aspect of it man yeah i mean i know you but i don't know you like i think i know you like somebody on twitter would know just somebody on twitter it's it's never like anything else but you don't strike me as a guy that really wants to get into the drama of the clash of you know radio personalities and like vying for the top ratings and then you know everything else that comes with the territory i mean it's not just like hey show up record and walk away from the studio it's just not how this goes yeah no it's none of that is in my personality i am not at least not in this room uh, a competitive person now if we get on the basketball court or something like that if we're playing cars or dominoes you know i'm pretty competitive but I'm not, and we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording. I'm, I'm really just not the measure myself up against the next person or people type of guy. Like I'm, I'm perfectly fine and content to be in my own lane to do my own thing. 
And I'm confident in that, you know, so and maybe that works. Who knows? Like maybe that attitude and approach actually works and and could benefit a, a show or a station. Who knows? But the I guess the the A type personality that you're thinking of, I would say I'm an A type personality, just of a different kind. You know, it, it doesn't it doesn't look like that where I'm worried about the ratings and you know, trying to appease or placate or anything like that. You know, I'm just, I'm, I'm just me and you can take it or you can leave it. Hey, I mean, that's how it should be. That's how it should be. So, um, okay. Uh, before we get into anything Texans related, I, I, I don't know how early you've been in the show before while watching, but um, I always do some self-development self like investments in, in, in myself. Um, so there's, I have a calendar called Unfuck Yourself 2023 from the, the book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. I don't know if you read it or not. I have not, but I'll put it on the list. I will you put should, it on the list. You put it on the list. So today, uh, Monday, uh, February 27th, when the responsibility for the quality of your life lies within uh, anyone but you, you become the victim. Mm. Dang. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm with that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so obviously... Texans are on a positive streak right now. Uh, I would say the average fan feels pretty good about the Texans organization. seems like everything in the past has just been really left in the past. There's really not a ton of conversation about things that we've been through as Texans fans or things that the Texans organization itself has been through. And, you know, the Dreamers offseason started extremely well with the hiring of D'Amico Ryans, the head coaching search process, the way everything was handled. Ultimately, what does the end of the offseason need to look like to be to be considered perfect or at least close to perfect? And I just want to have a conversation about with you about that. Yeah, so let's go through it. I mean, we're we're about to be in free agency here and the draft is coming soon after that. And so let, let's go through it. As a matter of fact, I'll even pull up a couple of notes here from. What I thought, and this is subjective. This is just my opinion. Yep. I'm not saying that this is the exactly a, a, a sweet science, but I ranked the top, the Texans' top five positions of need. Okay, and this is not specific to the draft or free agency because I'm not, I'm not picky here. You know, like figure <laughs> it, figure it out. Obviously, supply and demand is going to dictate where you're going to be able to find what, right? So, yep. like we can we can concede that, but to me. Just real quick to go back to what you were saying about the offseason and the vibes and the feeling with the fan base. Like, let's keep in mind, let's just be real about it. That has to do with the fact that the last two offseasons have felt like utter disasters. This one felt like far from that. Like, just to, to, just to be respectful to this process, like, independent of that, this felt like a good process. And so if you take the context of what the last two offseasons have been, it makes it feel even better. Okay. Right. But if, again, if we're real about it, nothing has really changed in terms of, well, they, just, they, they haven't played any football. That's right. the, point, the point I'm trying to make. So they have not, they have not actually atoned for the last two seasons, really let's call them the last three seasons when they have not won more than four games in a season. So all of that has to come together. And, and which leads us to the question that you're asking and, and sort of the points that we're making. And here's how I ranked, okay, I ranked the positions of need. And the order might be a little quirky for some, and maybe even the positions. Like, again, this is totally up for interpretation and disagreement. The one thing I feel like we can all agree on, and then I prefaced it, the list with this, is that, it, is that it would be way too easy to just be like, 
the Texans need everything. Right. Because because they do. I mean, with the exception of a left tackle um, and maybe a couple of things here and there, obviously they I, I think they've got their number one corner that they drafted last year in Derek Stingley. I think that Jalen Petrie's got, you know, at least Pro Bowl potential, maybe all pro potential. We'll yep. see what it looks like, especially in this new scheme. But other than that, I could stand to see a new player at, at, at any and every position. I remember James, the, the the Titans game was the game, okay, when Malik Willis came in because Ryan Tannehill was hurt. It was the, not the, the one in Tennessee, the one in Houston. Yep. And I remember talking with Cody Davis of – I don't know where he's right now. Sports Illustrated, Cody Davis is a big hustler. He's uh, everywhere. Texans media um, recovers the Texans. I remember telling him in the press box, man, look, and this was this was my fire Lovey moment because I was I was holding Lovey and Pep's water up until that point, okay? <laughs> At that moment, I was like, okay, there is nobody who's not a rookie who's a part of this team who I need to see again after today, yeah. after, t- after that day, much yeah. less after the season. So rid me, rid me of everyone that was a part of that. I thought that was just an embarrassing uh, output, and they had more after that. But I ranked them like this, James. Number five quarterback, and and number five is really number one because it's quarterback. Sure, but I made it number five within the context of this team. Okay, we we all understand that quarterback is the most important position on the football field. But I made number five, number one, or I'm sorry, I made number one, number five in quarterback. Yep. Number four is is running back, and and for me, so this is speaking to your question. I feel like if they don't get another running back that's not in the Royce Freeman, Dari Ungumba Wale type of type of realm. Like an I'm talking about an actual dude. No disrespect yep. to those guys, but they need an actual dude that's so sort of, if not analogous to Damian Pierce, but at least a compliment to Damian Pierce. They can figure out exactly what it what it looks like if it's gonna be a thunder and lightning type of situation. But they just need another dude at running back. To me, it was not a coincidence that they ran Damian Pierce into the ground as the season went on and he wasn't able to last through the end of the season. And so to avoid another, like to avoid him being the next Steve Slayton or something like that, like you need another running back. And honestly, in this offense that they're going to run, I'm pretty sure that they want that. Like that's part of how they envision their offense running, not just being solely relying on Damian Pierce, the way this offense was last year. Um, So I went four with running back number three, wide receiver, because to me, Brandon cooks, being the best wide receiver on this team for three years in a row is inexcusable. And that's no disrespect to Brandon cooks as a football player. He just should not be your best wide receiver for three years in a row. Okay. If you're in a down year, maybe, or or whatever transition one, maybe two, like, but three years in a row and certainly not for a fourth season. So they need to, they need to address that. And then the top two, um, number two and number one, I've got defensive line at number two. Uh, and preferably on the interior, but it's not like they couldn't use edge, you know, help on right. the edge as well. You know, I, I like Jonathan Grenard. I respect Jerry Hughes as someone who is Jerry Hughes' age. I respect him going out there and performing like that. Um, and he's from the town as well, you know, so I appreciate that. But you could stand to upgrade at those spots and, and at the very least be looking toward the future. Um, I, I would say that a more desperate need is on the interior defensive line. Uh, where Malik Collins has been your best player for the last two years. And that also probably shouldn't be the case. Um, so, so, th- so there's that. And then my, my main thing is center. 
yeah. um, which I think they kind of fell into. I didn't think Justin Britt was like, you know, excellent or anything to, to begin with, but to lose him and then to go to, to Quisenberry, who prior to that, I think it only started 10 games over the course of four seasons before that. Um, you need a legitimate starting center. Um, and I think that's somewhat of an underrated thing for people like, I would say like people like us, we, we follow it really closely, but just the casual fan can very much overlook the importance of the center position. Um, but I think it's more glaring when you don't have a good one, you know, when, when he's not, when the center's not bad, you can, it's easy to forget about what the center is doing, but when he's not up to par, it's a glaring issue. So to me throughout free agency and this draft process and leading up to camp, they need to, they need to address those five positions in a serious way. That's not to say everything that they do is going to work out, but, but those, those to me need to be priorities to feel like, okay, they've recognized it, like where their most glaring holes are and they're making a legitimate e- effort to fix it. Yeah. I think when it comes to, to free agency and I know we'll get to the draft too, but but when it comes to free agency, you hit it right on the head. When it when it comes to their needs, whether like you said, rank them however you want to rank them. Uh, I agree with you. Like if we're starting at the top, offensive line, interior offensive line, it's really hard for a rookie guard to develop when they don't have a consistent center that that's calling the protections, communicating with the quarterback, has an understanding of what they're doing. It's really hard to develop when you ha- don't have a guy next to you. So, you know, some of the struggles we saw from Kenyon Green last year. It's not going to all be on the center, obviously. A lot of it's going to be on Kenyon Green, too. He's going to have to put the time in this offseason to develop. But it's really hard when you don't have a guy you can count on. And I think Justin Britt would have been that guy, at least to have somebody you can count on. You're not expecting him to be a, a, you know, an all-pro center in any form or fashion, but you need someone there that you can talk to, communicate, and know what to expect from. Yeah, um, and then AJ can, you know, and, and I know you didn't mention him specifically, he was probably the most disappointing free agent signing last year. <clears throat> um Brandon Thorne on on Twitter he does just offensive line uh film breakdowns and last offseason when we signed AJ Can he was super stoked he showed all the Jags tape and talked about how this is a great get and then you know through the first I don't know 12 13 weeks we really didn't see anything out of AJ Can but then towards the end of the season we started to actually see the AJ Can that we saw in Jacksonville um so it's gonna be interesting to see what they do with that but either way the interior of the offensive line has to be fixed especially if we and, and we'll talk about it as we get to the draft. But if you're going to take a quarterback, the best way to support that quarterback is with pressure. I mean, with uh, with uh, protecting him on the interior of the offensive line. You already have the bookend tackles with Titus and uh, Tunsil. So I, I agree with you. But then defensive line, I mean, edge, we need edge, but we, we desperately need interior pass rush. We have lacked it. I mean, we've pretty much lacked it for a very long time. I, I can't remember. Even DJ Reader, who isn't a – interior pass rusher he's a great run stuffer he can get to the quarterback occasionally but we really have haven't had a guy on the interior that can really collapse the pocket and force the quarterback out um but you know what i'll I'll say just on the dj reader point though the fact that he was disruptive i thought made the guys uh, around him better or more effective however you want to characterize that but it was important to have a dude like that you know because they play off of each other as we know so so that um, to me that's important even if he's not the guy that's getting to the quarterback yeah, agreed. I mean, if you have a guy that you can count on taking on two blockers, well, now that creates every you know everything else around him, uh, and those edge guys can get after it. I, I do think the edge is actually a little more talented to an extent. I really liked, and 
I, I don't I can't ever pronounce his name, so I'm not even gonna try to, but Obo. Oh, I got you, I got you, I got you. Do oh, it. Well, well, I don't know how to pronounce the first name, but I can okay. do he goes by Obo. So we yeah, call him Obo. But it's Obo Okoronkwo. I think Obo that guy he, he came on late in the season. He flashed in the middle of the season as well. Um, him, Jonathan Grenard, two really good developmental pieces that you're probably gonna want to keep around. Uh, I know I know Obo is is it Obo or Ogo? He goes by Obo. Uh, okay. Now, okay. It, it, the spelling might be, you yeah, know what OGB. I mean? But, <laughs> yeah. But, but they, they call him, and, I, and the G might be silent, but they call him yeah. Obo. Yeah. yeah. So Obo, he's a, he's a restricted free agent this year. So I think it'd be interesting to see him sign for another maybe one year deal or two year deal. He did flash. Jonathan Grenard's developing well. Can't stay healthy, though. So if, if you can develop all you want, but if you can't be on the, on the field, it really doesn't matter. Right. But, they definitely need to figure out what they're going to do on the defensive line. Wide receivers, you're right. Like Brandon Cooks, I think he's perfect for what this team went through over the last two years. He's he's fine being your number one. When you're not really developing anything, you're not really building anything for the future, you just have a guy that you need to target. Brandon Cooks is that guy. And, and again, no disrespect to Brandon Cooks. Maybe he'll go somewhere else and be a number one. He's always produced. Yeah. Um, but they need somebody else that can go in. Um I do like Nico. I, I know everybody's down on Nico. Um, I actually think Nico, if you watch the film again last year, the, before he got hurt, he was a target uh, and a main target. He was getting the ball a lot, but James, people seem to forget that. James, I wrote, I remember right before he got hurt because I was noticing exactly what you're saying. I can't remember exactly how I characterized it, but basically it was quietly Nico Collins is becoming. Yeah, the number one receiver on this team. This was, I don't know, call it four or five weeks in. I, can't yeah, I think it was like down. week six. He went down. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I'm with you there. I, I even document. I was like, hey, this is the moment here. We're seeing yep. the jump, and maybe it's because the team is bad, whatever. But then somebody's got to catch the balls. But Nico Collins for for a brief moment there seemed to be making that curve. Yeah, and and the the biggest question with Nico is the fact that when he was at Michigan, I mean, he got hurt. Uh, you know, he didn't play a, a ton in his last season. Actually, I don't think he played at all his last season. That's why the reason why he fell in the draft. Um, but big guy, long strides, good route runner, worked with Andre Johnson last offseason. He looked the part leading into week six. And then obviously we, we didn't get to really see it again. You, John Mechie's coming back. What, you know, how much of John Mechie are you going to get? We don't even know what we have in John Mechie yet as far as from a wide receiver perspective. We only know what we saw at Alabama. Uh, looks like a very elusive guy. Looks like a guy that would fit the Niners type of offense, right? Uh, but can he, can he get on the field? And, you know, the leukemia stuff, that's, I mean, to fight cancer, then come back and, and, and beat it and then play again that following training camp and OTAs, that's a lot to ask the body to do. Um, so I can't expect him to be 100%, 100% come week one, but he could eventually be that guy in the slot. But you need a dominant one. You need a Jamar Chase. You need a Justin Jefferson. You need somebody else that can take the pressure off the rest of these guys. Um, and then running back, I agree. Like Damian Pierce, I think Damian Pierce is a great running back. I think he'll be very good for this team. But if you're expecting him to be the guy that's going to carry the Rock 31 times and you're going to spell him with with Rex Burkhead for, for another season, like – you can't expect to do anything uh, and be be efficient and effective on offense when Rex Burkhead is your guy on third down. It's just yeah. not. I know it's the laughing joke for Texans fans and Texans media. It's like Rex Burkhead. I, but like, yeah, hey, hey, notice notice how <laughs> notice how I didn't even mention his name. I went Dari and Royce. <laughs> yeah, yes, and it, and it's not disrespectful to Rex, 
But during the season, man, I, I was up to here with that conversation. And because and to me, we all should be able to recognize how ridiculous that was. And, and I don't understand it. Didn't get it then. Don't get it now. Don't really care anymore. But uh, but yes, to just to, you know, co-sign what you're saying. And, and I did not forget about Rex. I just did not want to mention his name on my own because I did not understand. I did not understand how that became to be the state of affairs. But again, like we've said, it was a team that was in transition. I think that's hard. And you as a fan, you, you even tell me, man, like that's just sometimes hard to accept or to rationalize in the moment. You're like, like I think about it, even with the Rockets last night is Damian Lillard's going off for 71 points. And I'm like, Somebody stop that guy. And it's like, <laughs> but ain't nobody on this team that can do that. You know? No. Uh, so, but yeah, so that's, that's probably, that's probably where I was with Rex, man. Just wanted to, want to forget that that even happened like that. Yeah. And it's, it's crazy because I think the biggest knock and, and it doesn't seem to be talked about much um, with Nick Casario over the last two years is the lack of youth that he has infused this roster with. And, you know, being number one in waiver claims and, you know, pull, being able to pull from practice squads. When you look at the running back group and the room as a whole, it's like there's no way you can tell me that there isn't one running back on 31 other teams' practice squads that could come in and fill that Rex Burkhead role and be more efficient and better to watch. You just can't. It's it's an argument that nobody can make. If, you, if Nick couldn't tell me at a bar drinking a beer that that's not possible. But – and, and, and that, that kind of goes to the whole roster development perspective. Like, he really didn't dip into that bag at all. Like, he didn't pull from other practice squads. He didn't pull young guys up. Like, you can't start – you can't have a roster of 53 of all rookies, and I get it. But, like, there were just opportunities he could have had to add some younger talent, and he failed to do so. Yeah. Yeah, I, I felt like he did a, a – I feel like it was a little bit of a better job of it this year. Like yeah. The point that you're making, I would have made a hundred times over that first year. It felt right. like, okay, it's clear what this is. We are, we see what's happening. The whole thing with Watson was, you know, sort of becoming clear on what that was going to be. And so at that point, you know, for sure, okay, this is a reset, you know? And I thought they did a little bit of better of a job doing it this year. Obviously they had more draft picks. And so maybe that's why it feels that way to me. Um, and, and then they did have a couple of undrafted guys that were, contributors in some way like Kurt Heinisch saw a lot of snaps you know so that they they found some bargains but I, I would that's that's what I would actually add to what you're saying there wasn't enough young talent and there wasn't enough like high upside bargain deals um, and I feel like maybe there was an effort there a little bit but it just wasn't enough it didn't feel like it was good enough or strong enough like I think about a, a move that did not work out that I liked at the time and will defend even to this moment because I thought there was upside in it was that trade for Anthony Miller last. So now we're talking about the year before last, Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, 2021, the first yep. of the first Casario year. And I'm thinking what they give up James, uh, either a third or a fifth to Chicago. I One think it was those. a fifth round pick. Yeah. So a fifth to Chicago for Anthony Miller who hadn't worked out there. And I haven't heard from him since, honestly, no. but at the time it was like, okay, yeah, I, I'd spend a fifth to kick the tires on an Anthony Miller's. I could see. And, man, when he showed up to practice, too, man, it was like, oh, this dude, this dude pops, you know, sort of like like physically built and quick, fast. So, like, I feel like there were some efforts there, and there were just swings and misses. But it, ideally, they would have taken more swings 
gotten more bargain deals because I mean that's that's the sin of the O'Brien era. Aside from some of the boneheaded moves, was that right. you, you you don't feel like you ever almost got anybody on a bargain. No, and, and and so that's something that they could stand to do or could have stood to do throughout this process and could still stand to do um, as they continue building the team um, and yeah, infuse it with young talent. I mean, we're at a point now though, James, like where I mean. <laughs> The, the chickens are coming home to roost, so to speak. Like now you're at a point of you can actually draft your young talent. You've got, you know, whatever it is, 11, a dozen picks, whatever it is, five in the first three rounds, you know. So, you know, so all of that is there now. But but that is, I think, a, a valid point that you make about not really making the most of an opportunity to infuse the team, the roster with young talent. Right. And, and it wouldn't have, it would have really impacted like where this team is. Right. Like it, we would have been in the same position, but you might have had maybe a position or two, not necessarily locked down, but you would have just maybe had better talent. Amari Rogers reminds me of the of that trade with the Bears. He did do that last year, signed Amari Rogers, you know, had high upside. And look, he came in, he, he produced as well, I think, as he can, given the situation that he he was put in. But you know, still, those are the type of risks that I was looking to see over the last two years because yep. there's no reason not to. Yeah, but um, but then, so let's get to quarterback. Obviously, I, I am, and I don't know if you pegged me this way, and I, I know you'll be honest with me, I, I'm, I'm pegged as a David Mills truther. But in all reality, I actually, I'm not a truther in any form or fashion. I, I might push the boundaries a little bit. Um, but, you know, this offseason, it's, it's about the quarterback. I've said from day one, and, and even in this offseason, we don't know what Davis Mills is. We know he's not Patrick Mahomes. We know he's not Lamar Jackson. We know he's not in that echelon of quarterback. But I really honestly believe because of this roster and the coaching staff and the scheme, and I think it's really hard to say that he can't be an average starter or you know maybe a below average starter because when you don't have anything around him, you don't know what a per- – you can't truly evaluate a player based on what we've seen. Now there are times where you can, but anyways, I say all that to say like with, with Davis Mills, obviously being gone, where, where do you see Davis Mills as far as the Texans go? Obviously I would assume backup quarterback, maybe traded to like a Niners team for like a sixth or fifth round pick, something like that. I mean, where do you see this going? Yeah. I don't see why he can't be the backup quarterback. You know, uh, like I don't, I don't sense an ego or an entitlement from Davis Mills that exists that make that to where he thinks that because he started last year or because he's the only quarterback returning on the team that he's owed anything. Um, he's a third round pick himself. And so, and now obviously there, there's some nuance to that. He was a high, you know, a highly regarded prospect out of high school. And, you know, so when you think it's real, we're kind of just following that third round pick, but this is a guy, even as a third round pick, and before that, people thought highly of, you yeah. know, uh, coming out of high school and and obviously uh, played at Stanford, dealt with injury, um, which I think probably has hurt his development just as much as anything is the fact that, you know, he, he dealt with injury and then COVID happened and 2020 was weird for college kids. So he's had to deal with all of that. And, and still he rose to become, you know, a third round pick and a guy that fell into a situation that's not ideal from a developmental standpoint. Right. But from an opportunity standpoint, I got to say, I got to say, you know, Davis Mills, you know, if you're going to be a third round pick who, you know, the the odds are stacked against you or whatever, this is the place to come where there was no bona fide guy or the bona fide guy that was here was on his way out. And 
you know, just a, a hell of an opportunity. I'll, I'll say this, though, about the evaluation. I, I think and, and here's where I think you and I differ on Mills and, and you really articulated it yourself. But it's not even for me at this point of what he is, because I agree with you to some to some extent that, you know, a, a fairer or more accurate evaluation. I think we we have some inclinations of what he is. Yeah. But a fairer and more accurate evaluation would come in a better situation or with better coaching, with better weapons and all of that. I'm and like, I don't see how you could disagree with the point that you're making there. But where I would where I would go left a little bit from you is. It is what you said, actually. It's we know what he's not. Right. You know, I, I do feel like we've seen enough to know what he's not. And for me, that almost alone makes me all the more. And forget about Davis for, for a second here. It makes me all the more bullish on the opportunity to, to try to find that guy who we still don't know if he's not that, you know, yeah. like we don't know. So let's say we don't know what Davis is. We don't know what these rookies are, but we know what Davis is not. I don't know what CJ Stroud is not. I've never seen him. We'll talk about Bryce. I'm sure at some point. Yeah. But the, but the, the, the mind numbing thing about, about, uh, about Bryce Young is that we've never seen it before. Right. We have no idea. And that can be both good and bad. That yep. can be positive and or negative. And so, but I'm in, I'm interested. I am intrigued. Yeah. I do yeah. want to see it. And so, uh, and so that, that's where I feel like we are. And, and honestly, man, it's just too great of an opportunity. You know, you root for this team, the people that are watching and listening to this podcast root for this team. Well, if you're truly rooting, man, you need to be like one to take advantage of opportunities and how unique of an opportunity is it to get a coach of the quality of D'Amico Ryan's. And he's going to bring the stock with him that comes from where he's been coaching at in San Francisco and a scheme that we're all familiar with here in this town. Right. Um, and, and that has made waves throughout the NFL over the last few years to be able to pair that with a prospect, mind you. And I was actually talking to Nick Casario about this at the D'Amico press conference before we got started, um, before the press conference got started. I was like, man. This is this is a, a timing wise. This is an incredible opportunity. And I didn't say this part, but like you can't let Davis Mills get in the way of something no, like this. You, you know can't. what I mean? Like you've got like I, what I just mentioned, the the coaching and then the opportunity to pair that with a a a prospect, which I believe there are at least two, possibly three. We'll talk about them who legitimately who you can take there and no one's going to be like. You know, like yeah. it's not it's not last. What the point I'm making is it's not like last year where honestly, wasn't anybody you needed a coach and you needed a quarterback to in my in my view. And the coach in this case, D'Amico Ryans, did not feel himself ready to be a head coach. And the best quarterback ended up being Kenny Pickett. Yeah. You, you know, like so. So bypass that. And now you're here and now you can get a D'Amico Ryans as your head coach. You can get a Bryce Young or a C.J. Stroud or an Anthony Richardson mm. as, as your quarterback. And so to me, it's like, okay, here, here's the mo. here's can be like the line of demarcation for Texans fans when it went from nonsense to serious like that. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I agree with you. And I, I don't think there's a scenario at NRG right now where they're running it back with Davis Mills or even having a conversation about running back with Davis Mills. I don't think you can have that. They're going to have to build on, everything that they have done this off season 
the most deflating aspect of this offseason would be running it back with Davis Mills for this fan base, for the media, for the city in general. Nothing against Davis Mills. And also, shout out to Davis Mills who got engaged this weekend. Yes, yes. As two married men, right? Yeah, like, we, yeah. we both know how big that day is. Yeah, congratulations. Shout out to you, man. Um, and you know what? Honestly, like, Davis – Davis is one of those where he's been with uh, he's been with his girl for a long time. Yeah, uh, I think his mom said eight years. So this seemed like it was kind of the writing on the wall, like just the next big step. So uh, so, yeah, man, I'm happy for him in his personal life. And I hope that, you know, I, I hope that he's got a spot. Like, honestly, man, he's a I backup like, for a long time, bro. I, I like Davis as a backup and I think he can he could make a hell of a career as a backup, provide for his family. They'll be rich forever. Okay. And I think he can do that. I think he's also a tough guy. Yeah. Like, like more, more than he probably gets credit for because he's got such a bland and stoic personality. He's not rah-rah and screaming and everything. But I've seen him take hits yep. and get up. And he ain't got no no you know what in him. You know what I mean? Right. Like he's he seems to be real with it from that regard. And I'll say this too about him. Like not to make it a, a Davis Mills love fest because after go. I just said that, <laughs> that that they don't they don't need to you know trifle with running it back with him. I would agree with a point you just made earlier when you were setting up that question of in this offense in this scheme under this coaching, I actually like the prospect of him a lot better than I ever have. Yeah. Now, caveat: the reason to maybe not listen to me on this, I. I kind of thought the same thing last year with Pep. I assumed I didn't assume that Pep was going to be some type of great play caller. Yeah. But I thought like just schematically and like football wise, they spoke the same language because they come from basically the same place. So I thought that was going to work out a lot better than it actually did, which is what really soured me on both of them. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm like between the two of you, you guys should be a much better pairing than you are. So like, I'm like, well, hell it's it, it doesn't look anything like i thought it would so uh but all that to say I, I still feel like this is one of those offenses that is quarterback friendly and can make a i don't know i don't think you can make a bad quarterback good but can make a a around about average quarterback into above average i mean we saw it i think uh in matt Schaub, who probably doesn't get enough credit for how he played 100%. here but um but he's he's a guy that was able to flourish in this offense, um, and and I could see Davis Mills maybe even being like a poor man's version of that if given the opportunity. But again, I don't want him to be given that opportunity. I'm ready to move on and do the next thing. Yeah, no, uh, I feel like it was kind of like bait for me, where like you get me excited enough to where like I think about the offense, and then I'm thinking Davis Mills potentially in like a shanty offense. Like, man, maybe just just possibly, but. Yeah. But ultimately, I, I just don't see that being – I mean, we just saw Brock Purdy do it. I would say Davis Mills is, a, is, a, is a, a more – he's a better quarterback prospect than Brock Purdy and definitely has a better arm. So it's like if you could see Purdy do it, like what does Davis Mills do? But at the yep. end of the day, I mean, we're talking about a scenario we won't see. So it is what it is at this point. I, I do think that he could be a really good backup. Like who's the guy, Chase Daniels, he made like what, $100, like $50 million, and he went in and he just played backup and started in some t- at some times, made some throws. We've seen Davis make some throws where it's like, okay, like that's that's one of those throws. Wow. Okay, can you but you can't ever do it consistently. So he can start in spots and win you a couple games here and there, but that's gonna probably be his career. And and you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah, you could do a lot worse at backup quarterback. I, I prefer I prefer he stay on the team. I'll put it to you like this. Their backup options 
the last couple of years has, have been Davis as a rookie. Yeah. Okay. Which was a disaster in the beginning. And then last year, Kyle Allen and Jeff Driscoll, you go out and give me a, a, a top prospect and, and pick whoever, make, make it whoever it is you like, yeah. just to be friendly to the audience, whichever is your favorite quarterback in the draft, go draft him. Cause I, I happen to like a few of them. Go draft him and make Davis Mills the backup, and I feel like your quarterback situation is immediately upgraded because Davis Mills is probably in, a, in more of a role that he's suited for, and you get the prospect and the potential of maybe you've got your franchise guy. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. They could be in a worse position for sure. All right, so, I mean, let's get to the quarterbacks. Obviously, there's a lot of conversation around quarterbacks right now. It, it's, it's a very polarizing draft class. For a couple different reasons, specifically from the Texans fan base, Bryce Young, collegiate quarterback, highly celebrated. I am also now viewed as a I hate Bryce Young when in all actuality, I actually think Bryce Young is a very talented, very good quarterback prospect. I think my biggest concern with Bryce is the same concern that everybody else has is it's really just his size, just because we haven't seen it at all right so like there, it's not like we can go back to the data and say hey we've seen this and we've seen it work we and we you can't say we've seen it and we've seen it not work so it's like this middle ground and it's tough it's a really hard sell because if you're going to invest a second round pick in something you don't know that's my biggest concern but then below that maybe a little bit is his arm strength his arm strength is a concern for me when when you watch the film and you see that he has to wind up to put any zip on the ball a lot of times that doesn't translate in the NFL because you don't have as much time to wind up. And when you look at the routine throws that NFL quarterbacks make, those out throws, most fans don't don't realize it. But even though you're throwing to the you know 20 yards downfield on an out, you're also in the middle of the field. So you're adding another 10 to 15 yards because of where you're at. And you've got to really put zip on the ball to be able to get those tight window throws. I like Bryce, though. I think he's fun. Not only that, I think he's a great kid. And for me, like when it comes to drafting a guy at two, and and Houston should know this better than anybody now, that character and who a person is, is really a big piece of that franchise quarterback. And I do think Bryce fits all of that. I do too. Um, I got into a rabbit hole the other night. I think it was Friday night or Saturday night of, and I don't know why I was up this late, but well, it was Saturday night because I knew the next day was Sunday and I didn't have anything to do, like any obligations. So I could stay up as much as I want and sleep in for as long as I want. And somehow I landed. I know exactly what happened. I did the thing. I just wanted to hear what people were saying about Bryce. Yeah. So I searched his name in Spotify to see what what would come up in podcast. So I listened. Oh, to, OK. I listened to my music and I just kind of streamlined everything and just listen. I didn't to even know you could Spotify. do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can listen to your podcast on Spotify. And so that's what I do. And so I just searched his name and then went to the podcast and shows tab and just looked to see what could I find of people talking about Bryce Young. Bored yeah. and just and interested in yeah. hearing about it. And I came across I came across quite a few things, but one of them that I ended up landing on at the end was Bryce Young's podcast that he ended up doing with the volume in so it was the heisman year so the volume oh, wow. is the volume is for people who don't know is colin cowherd's yep um podcast platform and, and podcast arm his own like podcast company draymond green yeah uh, Dr draymond others. green i think I, I'm, I'm not sure if cj mccollum's on but draymond green for sure 
Um, and there and there are others. They have a number of podcasts, and uh, including Coward himself. And so this was hosted by someone who I did not necessarily recognize and don't remember him saying his name. But there was a host who basically was just interviewing Bryce Young. And, and so it was clear Bryce Young didn't have necessarily the, the experience or personality to like carry his own podcast. But he was being interviewed throughout it. And like every answer was I, like I wouldn't even say cliche because you're going to get football cliches from football players and, and coaches, especially quarterbacks and coaches. But it, they were also just so like. Uh, I don't know if well prepared is the word I'm looking for. He just seems so polished. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, he just seems so polished. And also, man, like super team oriented. You know, like everything that that was a that was really about him, because this wasn't the Alabama football podcast or, right. you know, it was this is the Bryce Young show or whatever. And everything came back to his teammates, the confidence that they have in each other, their belief in each other, um, credit in the coaching staff. Like he just seen, at least publicly. I, I mean, I can't pretend to know what the guy does in his private life or what he says behind closed doors, but pub, his his public front facing self is impressive you yeah. know it, it would it would make you forget that you're talking about somebody that's just the size of anybody that you'd see walking the street which is basically what he is he's an average guy's size for the most part uh, so so i'm really impressed by like the intangibles the things that i don't feel like we can really measure in watching the tape or like in your evaluation about his arm strength like what what we don't know is that or what we maybe can't see from that is that maybe Bryce Young is self-aware and and yeah. knows what his limitations are, knows what his strengths and weaknesses are, and is willing and able and humble enough to work around that, which is the impression that I get from the guy. So I'm super impressed by him. <clears throat> My thing, and, and I'm gonna I'm working on this right now, James, and I'll probably have it posted tomorrow. But I've got like these three reasons why his size shouldn't be an issue. Okay. Um, and, and I'm still working through it. So y'all yeah, check out sportsradio610.com once I've once I've worked through it. But I can give you a couple of the main ones or a couple of the main ideas. And and, and this is gonna be a little bit of pushback on what you kind of think of them, but I'm interested to hear what you have to yeah. say. I think you and I can both acknowledge that he is not the prospect that Trevor Lawrence or Andrew Luck was. I feel like I've seen you say that. Uh, yeah, uh, he's not. It's he's very not rare for that to happen in general. Right. <clears throat> he, he, and he's not that. But, comma, however, <laughs> he's not that far off of it. Like, he, he's <clears throat> not one of those guys. But he's uh, he's somewhere along that class, though, I, I feel like, in terms of a prospect. And, and this is one of the reasons that I'm going to give. It's like Bryce Young, the difference between him and a lot of the other small quarterbacks uh, well, actually, let, let, let's leave Kyler Murray out of this because Kyler Murray is would be similarly situated to the point that I'm trying to make. Yeah. But Bryce Young has been excellent and the best at every turn. He has yeah. he, he has met the expectation. This is the reason why, um, you know, when LeBron James broke the scoring record a couple of weeks ago, it was like, hey, guys, it's time to look up and admit that everything that he said he was and that other people said he was, he ended up actually doing exactly that. Well, it's not nearly as much of a career. He hasn't even hit the pros yet. But Bryce Young, best prospect out of high school, goes to Alabama, <laughs> best, best quarterback at Alabama. So it's like 
okay, what we haven't seen is a quarterback this size perform at this level before and, and, right. and with this style as well. Like you think about a quarterback <clears throat> that size, you think about a guy that's running for his life all the time. Right. And maybe and maybe he isn't much of a passer at all. But Bryce, that's not the case. So we've never seen that. But what we have seen, and, and this is something that I want us to focus on, uh, uh, mainly the Texans and whoever is in charge of making the selection, but all of us, okay, is just as an intellectual exercise. What we have seen is him meet and in times exceed the expectation at every turn. And to me, you don't really get to be that guy if it's not legitimate. Like, you don't get to just luck your way no. in, into this position. And so... The concerns are real. I share them. Like I, I worry about what it looks like if, you know, if, if I forget exactly who it was that fell on Patrick Mahomes' ankle uh, from the from from the Jaguars. But if somebody, uh, if it was Agnew, I forget exactly. Yeah, I but, think it was Agnew. But whoever, but if Agnew falls on Bryce Young, you know, and we're not even talking about necessarily the biggest guy in the world. If if, um. Jeffrey Simmons falls on Bryce Young, okay, and that is a monster mountain of a of a human being. Yep. You know that scares me, okay. It, it it truly does. But the other side of it is, if he's got that kind of ability, and if and you can't convince me that he's not aware that like he goes out there and sees all of these big dudes out there and thinks, oh, I'm as big as everybody else out here. Like <laughs> right. he, he has to see it himself. He he should understand the size difference better than even we do. Right. And, and so to me, I feel like he plays around that. He gets rid of the ball. He doesn't take hits uh, as much. And honestly, I feel like the game that he's being drafted into that, like, this is not uh, the, the NFL of our childhood. Right. You know, this isn't 1995. Quarterbacks are protected. You're not allowed to beat them up that way now you can still follow them like how Patrick Mahomes got fell on but to me between what he's shown us up to this point and and just living up to the expectation up to this point and the type of game that he's being drafted into I think it's something that can work and just because we haven't seen it doesn't mean that we can't see it or won't see it or that it's not that it's not there I I agree I I, look there's a lot there to talk about and and you know, you make really good points as far as where he's at and what he's accomplished and, and how far he's gotten in his career. He's battled the size aspect of that his entire life. Um, Brett Coleman, who does like videos and breakdowns and obviously is a big Texans fan, went to the same high school as as Bryce Young, happened to watch Bryce Young play all through high school, is friends with the offensive coordinator at Modern Day. He, he's he's talked about the things that he's seen him do on a field from day one. It's really interesting. And and I agree with you that like, if, if that's the case, like why should we, why should we not expect that to be the continuing theme here with Bryce Young when he enters the NFL? And for me, like the falling on and, and, you know, getting sacked, those aren't really my biggest concerns. I would say from a size perspective, my biggest concern is when he's outside of the pocket, probably more than anything else, just because at that point it's kind of free game. So he's good in college at, avoiding hits and, and and smart with it but you know that when you go into the nfl two three yards is a big difference you know and, and it's something you need to continue to whether it's closer to the first down or touchdown whatever it may be him in the open field getting hit 
is probably where I get a little more concerned than anything else. But, you know, as you said, we've seen that he's good at, 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 you know, sliding and, and not taking hits and things of that nature. I just, when it comes to the size and not seeing it, it's like the investment that goes into something that we haven't seen is probably where I can't fully get behind it because it's, you're giving up the second pick for somewhat, and it's only somewhat of an unknown. And that's probably my biggest thing. But I agree with you. Look, if, if the Texans draft Bryce Young, I'm going to be on the Bryce Young train. I mean, I don't wear jerseys because I just there's something about wearing a jersey. But um, I, I would be in full support of Bryce Young. I, I think he would be fun. And I think, honestly, he's probably the best quarterback to fit this offense and what this offense wants to do. Extremely accurate, quick decisions, throwing into space, getting the ball in the playmaker's hands. You're not asking them to throw it, you know, 40, 50 times downfield. It, it's, a, it's a really quarterback-friendly offense. So what we could see Bryce Young turn into could be extremely interesting. With that all said, I think when it comes to the prospects, if I'm drafting at two, I want the highest upside and the highest ceiling. And while a quarterback-friendly offense can help mask or help accelerate a quarterback, I want a guy who could potentially compete with the Herberts, the Mahomes, the Allens, the Jacksons, the Josh Allens, the Trevor Lawrences. I want a guy who potentially has that ceiling. I don't see Bryce having that ceiling. And I think ultimately that's where I go back to Anthony Richardson who now all of a sudden is starting to get like, I, I don't know if we've seen this level of attention in the past before, but it, it seems to be pretty high now. That's what brings me to Anthony Richardson is the fact that you have a guy who potentially could be that. I don't know if Bryce Young could potentially be that guy. You don't need it. Don't get me wrong. You can win without it. But in the AFC, those are the quarterbacks you go up against in January. Yeah, I, I would actually, I would I would disagree slightly and say that maybe you do need it, you know, because just because of what the league is turning into and like you and I share the fascination with Anthony Richardson. Let's just put it to you that way. But yeah. I'm going to go ahead and play devil's advocate here since you and I can acknowledge we both kind of are both intrigued by this guy. I find it interesting that Bryce Young and Anthony, I find like an interesting sort of dichotomy, but also maybe a similarity here in Anthony Richardson and Bryce Young in terms of question marks of something that you haven't seen and you're not really sure if you're going to see it. So like with Bryce Young, okay, we just laid it out. Haven't seen anybody that size, period, really. Yeah. get drafted this high much less at the quarterback position we understand that he's been highly successful in high school and college how is that going to translate to a game where everybody is so much freakishly bigger stronger and faster okay legitimate question anthony richardson is like the opposite he is the counter <laughs> he is the the complete counter to to bryce young in the sense that he doesn't have all of those like pinpoint accuracy, decision making, polished, all of that, everything that Bryce Young does, but he's got the the physical traits and just sort of just jumps out to you when you watch him on film or not even you don't even have to watch film. You can just watch it, watch football, watch the yeah. game 
And there's like there's this thing that I do is like, okay, if you're not a sophisticated like football watcher, one thing you can do when you watch is like there's somebody that's gonna pop on the screen and be like, who's that guy? You know, Aaron Donald does this where he's like he's not like physically imposing or anything, but he's just so damn disruptive and he's like causing so many problems. You're like, wait, 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 who's 99? You know, JJ Watt was that way, but also with the physical stature, like, wait a minute. Are they supposed to be holding that guy on every play? Right. You know, like, is that allowed? So that that sort of thing. Anthony Richardson has that thing where he just pops. But so the interesting part to me is that you, you, we can't teach size in the Bryce. Bryce Young is what he is, you know, at this point in terms of size. Like maybe he gains a few pounds, but he's going to be a smaller built guy. Not going to be able to teach it. The thing that's a little bit more interesting to me in a question with Anthony Richardson and it's always been conventional wisdom that you can't teach accuracy. Mm-hmm. That's what they've always told. That, that, I, I mean, I've, I've never even, until recently, I never even gave it much thought past that. The people that know better than me said that, and I took it as gospel. Right. But, but now... We're seeing I'm, it more. I'm, I'm, I, we're seeing it, and I'm starting to wonder. I'm like, hey, w- w- was that a, a bit of flawed logic? Is that actually mm-hmm. true? Right. You know, can you not teach accuracy? Because you can, you can teach mechanics, Yep. You can improve on mechanics. You can practice and have repetition and become maybe a, a, a better decision maker along with better mechanics. Right. Do, do better mechanics and better decision making not equal better accuracy? They do. You know, like to me, logically speaking, and I, and I didn't play, but logically speaking, that checks out for me, you know. Yep. And so it, it, it is fascinating. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. I know people... And I hear it at the station all the time. They'll tell you, man, this guy completed like half of his passes, man. It's like, how are you going to? And, and, and I get it. Like I would have this. So that would be my reservation of what I haven't seen. You know, like. I would have a tough time. Dra- and this is as much as I like Anthony Richardson. I would have a tough time drafting a guy that high number two overall. And I got accuracy concerns. Yeah. Or, or I got <laughs> questions about how accurate is he? You know, um, and so I would have to feel really good about, you know, I think I said this on the radio last week on Sports Radio 610 with the guys on In the Loop. I I would have to feel good about the next logical question to ask about his accuracy, which is why, you know, and and I'm not I'm not going to pretend to have that answer. Sure. That's for a better. That's for an actual coach, somebody that's that does that better than I do. But like, why is he not accurate? Is it his feet? Is it his windup? Is it like what? Like, what exactly is it? And can you coach it up? And I would have to feel good about the answer to that question from my coaching staff and, uh, you know, scouting department and, and feel like we're all on the same page on not just what the truth of the matter is, but the why. Like, like why isn't he accurate? And, and then is that something that we can fix, that we can teach? Or yeah. does it just look like maybe that's a lost cause or a wild card or, or that kind of thing? So I'm interested to see what their evaluation is because, you know, Ideally, they're smarter than I am. Um, and so I, I want to see how it goes. Um, and, and honestly, like just the Texans, I know we're doing this with tech for Texans fans, but Texans aside, like I just want to see where he goes. Yep. Period. Period. Yep. I, like primarily I'm in this draft to figure out what the Texans are doing. But as a side note, and, and we mentioned that we're going to talk about the combine, like he's my combine star. Yeah. And, and he's just my, you know, particular person to put a pin in as his career goes on and, and, and just to kind of follow what, what does happen if it's not with the Texans with that guy. 
I, you know, if he's not taken by the Texans or taken top five, I, I think the most interesting landing spot for him, and, and I started to talk with John Crumpler about this, is Detroit at mm. six yeah. because they have two first round picks. Jared Goff's got another year on his contract. He could sit for a year, and you could add a guy that you know has the time to develop behind a decent quarterback at Jared Goff. It's going to be interesting to see because I agree with you. Like watching him, I'll tell you this: I don't want to see him in a Colts uniform. No, because I, 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 I that is concerning for me to have to watch. You know, and it's it's going to be this way anyways. We're going to be comparing our quarterback to the Colts quarterback for the next at least five years uh, of their rookie year or rookie deal. So I definitely don't want to see that guy go to the Colts. So, um, but yeah. the Titans well, it, are another one that are looking at potentially getting a quarterback as well. And there's been rumors that they're, they've talked to the bears about moving up. So it's like, keep him out of the division if he's not in the Texans uniform. But it's funny that we say that because do we say the same thing about Bryce young? And, and that to me, when I say that, I don't, I don't, that strike of fear isn't there for me. Can I, can I tell you the difference for yeah. me? Yeah. Cause I, cause I was just about to jump in on this exact point that you're making. Like, it's not necessarily there for me either, but I think even more specifically with Anthony Richardson, the fear is, I don't have as much a fear about the Titans, to be honest with you, but the Colts, that Colts thing, and Shane Steichen, who I was high on in this whole Mm -hmm. head coaching search process thing, like, I was high on D'Amico, but Shane Steichen was a close second for me, because I like what what he's done, or what he did with with the Eagles. And with Jalen Hurts, yep. um, not just from a development standpoint, but even the play calling, uh, for the most part. Very friendly. I, I thought I thought was was excellent. And I'm just picturing Anthony Richardson in, uh, you know, provided and assuming that they coach him up in that system. That scares me. Yep. That's good. I don't I don't know if any other singular thing scares me like that like Bryce Young to you name it to whoever right doesn't scare me and even Anthony Richardson or or CJ Stroud any other guys to just one particular team like I think they're I think they're all better and have a good prospect but but that is what scares me very specifically is Anthony Richardson and Shane Steichen um I like and I've seen it thrown out there a couple of times a lot of you really smart football people are are talking about the Anthony Richardson Detroit thing which is very, very intriguing um, yep. and obviously does not negatively impact the Texans unless they were to meet in the Super Bowl, you right. know, which would be a mind bleep for I, I oh, know yeah. the entire football world if the Houston Texans and Detroit Lions at any point in the next 10 years found themselves playing, each other, playing against Most each other. Most watched Super Bowl. Super Bowl of all time. <laughs> <laughs> it would be hilarious. It would be hilarious. You know what I'd be interested in, though, since you brought that up? Cause I started thinking about it when you said it, if you were, so let's, let's play that scenario out and say that they draft Anthony Richardson to sit behind Jared Goff for a year, or maybe two, if they bring back Jared Goff for an extra year or something like that. Let's just say they do the trial run. What would you do if you were Ben Johnson? Because he's got an opportunity to go and be a head coach at some point. And he stayed with this that they have now, which and I say this, no disrespect, but like, they're the Lions. They're just yeah, yeah. off. They were, they were. I mean, they were excellent uh, offensively last year, in part because of him, in part because of Jared Goff. To be quite honest about it, but yeah. like once you draft that kid, I feel like you're invested. You know, um, 
I don't know. Like to me, that would be a very interesting thing to see um, if Ben Johnson would want to just be a longtime offensive coordinator and see the Anthony Richardson th- uh, thing through, or if you know next off season, I don't see why he wouldn't. Unless the Lions took a step back, I don't see why he wouldn't be among the top candidates for head coach in the next hiring cycle. So I'm I'm interested to see what would happen with that and what decision he would make, knowing that he's got like this this really awesome experiment that I'm not even sure necessarily even has to work. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, you know, yeah. cause it won't be a top, you know, five pick or whatever it is. And you know, they can just, they can take their time with it. So yeah. that, 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 that to me is the most interesting that is not threatening to the tech. The most interesting objectively is him going to the Colts. Yep. No, nope, but, but I, I but I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it at all. And like you said, with the Steichen aspect of things, like we've seen how how friendly that he is specifically to his quarterback and the instrumental role he's played with Jalen Hurts, who really came into the league as a guy that you know a lot of people weren't high on um, athletic, fixed, but fix, fixed accuracy. But he's, fixed the accuracy exactly. Him, him and Josh Allen. Uh, we, we've done this thing with Josh Allen of like. He's the he's the gold standard now. Yeah, yeah, but but like we're overlooking Hurts, right? Like like uh, Hurts seems like he's gotten the whole. Well, y'all doubted him and y'all hated on him, but he showed y'all, and it's like, nah, no nah, credit to him. Yeah, he's improved. Yep. What people were saying about him before was not that was not people hating. That was just him not being that. Yeah. You know, and and to his credit, he has improved. You know, and so that's another example of what we were talking about earlier is can you can you fix accuracy? We got two guys in the league right now that I think you would fairly have to characterize as elite based off of their what they've shown. Uh, Josh Allen and then Jalen Hurts just performed in the Super Bowl. Well, yep. So like uh, enough not respecting that, you know, so like these are two elite guys who were not accurate and are now accurate. Yep. No, I I agree. It's very interesting. Um, I think, and uh, I'm going to have, we're going to have to end this here shortly. I got a meeting I got to get to, but um, it's interesting when you look at the dynamic of the NFL right now, the developmental aspect of things seems to be a focus and the good teams that like the teams that are great at developing really have like some of the better rosters in the league, right? We've always seen that, but we've never really seen it at the quarterback level. It's pretty much year three. If you can't make it, cut bait, keep it pushing. But that has not been the case over the last couple of years with like Daniel Jones is another example. He's, he's been terrible in the NFL. He wasn't accurate in college. Brian Dable comes. Daniel Jones looks like an okay quarterback compared to what we've seen in the past. That's a good one. Yeah. That's so one. I hadn't thought about that. That that's that's a really good point. Daniel Jones. So we got we got and, and so we're not gonna call him elite yet, but but right. certainly certainly somebody though that is that is taking a turn um a little bit and seems to develop like point being, I think you can coach these guys up. Right. You know, um now you wanna be careful of how much is it, you know, how much are you believing in your own BS, you know, like, are you, are you over, are you overvaluing your own ability to develop? And you got to, I think you got to ask that question, but also, you know, ask the question of, Hey, what, what's it going to take the, what we open this podcast with, what's it going to take to get from here to there? 
What's it going to take to make this offseason feel complete? Well, what's it going to take to make this guy go from raw to polished? And do we have, does he have what it takes? Right. To most to, importantly, to, to take the coaching and to put in the work. And do, do we have the coaching points and the teaching points to give them, you know, like, and, and that's just a, you know, a matter of fit. So um, it, it, it is a fascinating, fascinating time to be alive right now, man. It really is. It really is. And we got the combine this week. I got like three other things I wanted to get to, but our, our conversation went long as it usually does whenever yeah. we just get to speaking. Um, yeah, I'm long-winded, man. I'm sorry, man. No, no. We should just do this again. Yes, and, that's what I was about to say. Yeah. Maybe we're going to get, we got to schedule this again. I guess maybe at the end of the combine, we're definitely going to have to get something going next week because there's a lot that we didn't get a chance to get to. Um, but I, I know everybody enjoyed it and, uh, having you on, it's just easy. I don't, I don't know why it's easy, but it just works. Um, but for the listeners, why don't you tell them where they can find you, Twitter, Instagram, however you want to push it. Obviously sports radio, six ten. your podcast. I mean, you're, you're like the, the, the business entrepreneurial mogul in, in, in H town when it comes to the sports section. Um, let them know where they can find you, bro. Man, I actually appreciate you saying that, man. Cause this is. This is all I've ever wanted to do. So, and I, and to be honest with you, all I'm really uh, trained and qualified <laughs> to do. So if this didn't work, I wouldn't really know what the plan would be. Um, I'd be back at the pawn shop um, working. But yeah, at Brandon K. Scott on Twitter, at B. Scott from Hiram Clark on Instagram. But the podcast, man, I really want y'all to check out uh, the B Block podcast, wherever you get your podcast, and then H-Town Hoops if you are – both a, a a Texans and Rockets fan, you've been through a lot lately, and I understand it. I'm right there with you. Um, but Adam Spillane and I are covering the the Rockets on the H Town Hoops podcast. Also, wherever you get your podcast, that specifically is an Odyssey product. I I should say that. Oh, I didn't um, know that. Yeah, the the, the H Town Hoops podcast was the first podcast that I've been asked to do. You know that I didn't start on my own. Okay, okay if that makes sense. You know. So that was a that, that was a huge honor and a big deal where they're like kind of hand select you to do one. And so uh, and so, yeah, make sure y'all are checking that out. Um, and then SportsRadio610.com. I am the uh, I am the man behind the behind the screen. So uh, and of course, the Odyssey app. So. Um, so, yeah, check us out. Yeah. With B Block. I mean, it's it's just you talking for which I until I started doing this on my own. I, I didn't realize how challenging. Yes. An individual channel can be or an individual pod can be because there you really got i mean i'll find my videos be like 12 13 minutes luckily for you you are long-winded to where and and people want to hear your voice anyways so it works out for you i'm sitting here like i got 45 minutes of content but yet i'm done in 12 minutes so listen when i listen to b block i always try to pull what i can from that to like add because it's like how do you do it every week and uh it's a tough thing to do yeah, mm. it, it is. It, it is a tough thing to do. And you realize like, OK, you're long winded, but that's not always necessarily a good thing. So uh, so you try to be a little bit more judicious and I'm learning like I, I, I really want to point that out as somebody who, you know, uh, maybe your listeners have heard on the radio mm-hmm. and think is like whatever you think of me. I am still learning. This is all I've really ever done in my adult life. Like, again, aside from working at the pawn shop <laughs> at a job at Walgreens. You know, but like real job, this yep. is all I've ever really done as an adult. And I'm still learning, you know, uh, what is it, to, a, to a 13 years later. So um, and, and that's the way I want to keep it, man. Uh, if there's anything that's exciting about the job, aside from talking about sports, 
it's learning a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your craft every time you go out and do it. So, uh, so y'all come on and take the journey with us, man. Yeah, absolutely. And look, if you're always looking to be better, I always tell me, my team, my daughter, my kids, 1% better every day. That's the way to strive. So, all right, Brandon, appreciate you joining. Thank you so much. Definitely going to get this scheduled again for us to continue this conversation. Uh, with that being said, I'm Yangari Gold signing off for Texans Unfiltered. I'll catch you guys next week.